Um, it's Louis. It's just Louis today. Lockie's not around. Um, I, yeah, so I was trying to find something I would talk about and I guess I'm going to continue on this, like, uh, my first solo episode I did, I've done two. And the first one I did was about Prey, which is a game by Arcane Studios. Um, and I'm going to do another one. And I mentioned it a lot. It's Dishonored. And a couple of months ago, I think their sort of standalone DLC for Dishonored 2 um, called Death of the Outsider. So it's Dishonored Death of the Outsider came out and I didn't play it. Um, I just, uh, I just didn't want to at the time. I sort of, I left Dishonored 2 with like a slightly bitter taste in my mouth. I couldn't, I, I still really can't quite put my finger on, um, why I didn't love Dishonored 2. Um, and I still don't, even after playing some of Death of the Outsider, I still don't really know what it is. I don't like about these new games as much. Um, but maybe this um, next 20, half an hour, however long this is, can help me figure out exactly what it is I like and don't like about uh, this series. This series that is really quite um, special, quite endearing, um, sort of fascinating. So a little background on what Dishonored is. Dishonored is a first-person um, stealth immersive sim game. So, And you run around in... Um, in sort of beautiful, um, towny zones, um, in first person with a sword and some special powers gifted to you by, um, this character called the outsider, which, um, is sort of like this godlike figure, um, in this universe. Um, the Sonic one takes place in a sort of, I, I'm hesitant to say steampunk, but I've guess, I guess I've already said it. So steampunky kind of town, um, kind of feels like it's based on like Victorian London. There's like a plague. It feels very, um, if yeah, it feels very like uh, ring around the roses kind of business. Um, rats everywhere, sort of stuff. Um, it's very beautiful. It, it sort of looks like um, it's got this like painterly aesthetics, kind of like an oil painting. Um, these games, uh, much like sort of some Nintendo games like um, uh, Wind Waker and stuff. I don't feel like are going to age badly at all, they will continue to look amazing because they don't go for realism. They go for this very pretty painterly style um, and they're gorgeous. And Dishonored 2 and Death of the Outsider are no different. There are, there are plenty of times when I stop and look around in Dishonored and um, it just kind of looks like what I, what I assume the concept art looks like. Um, in fact, I, they put their concept art all over this game because they, um, they sort of use it because the concept art is so good, <laughs> because it looks so accurate to um, the way the actual 3D environments look, they tend to use their concept art as like artwork in the houses of people. Um, so it ends up, everything ends up looking intensely dreary and sad, obviously, because it's replicating, it's like, yeah, concept art. So it's a vision of what they want the world to look like. But also you don't really blink an eye at it. Most Sometimes it's like, well, that's a little odd. But for the most part... Um, Everything looks very, um, everything just looks really, really good. The light, um, it's, it's hard to describe. It's, they're very beautiful games. And Dishonored 2 and Death of the Outsider um, took, up a, took up the sort of notch of detail in spaces and houses. I love just going through incredibly dense 
spaces, you know, inside a house, like just having loads and loads and loads of shit everywhere to, um, not even just like, I don't like the whole, like picking up and examining gone home kind of style is nice. Like that's fun, but that's not, I don't need that. Um, especially if that's not the game's main mechanic. Um, just having like stuff everywhere and it feeling very purposeful and like not even necessarily realistic, but feeling, feeling like value and time and care has gone into the space. Um, is something I really, really adore about um, the Dishonored games, and they do it so incredibly well. And I think when I first played Dishonored 2, um, immediately I was like, oh my god, I love this game at the start because I could just focus so much on that. And then as time went on, I sort of got less and less interested in it. And I think gameplay-wise, maybe I just kind of got a little tired by it. Um, but I want to talk about Death of the Outsider just because it's, it's nice to have a little bit of space as a sequel, I guess, um, I mean, it's DLC, so it's not a sequel, but like, but not too much space. Not like three years. That like, not like a whole game development cycle. It's been maybe a year, maybe a bit less. Um, so they they churned this out very quick. They sell it separately, so you don't have to own Dishonored Two to play it. You can just download it. I, I bought it for ten pounds on sale, um, which is a pretty good deal. Um, I don't know if it's still on sale on PSN, but you can check it out. Uh, and it's great. You play as like the side character that's been in the other games, um, and she's pretty cool. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail about the lore because like, you could get lost in like what the lore is about this game. This game is very... Um, this game loves its lore a little bit too much. Um, I find it to be a little of a drag and I find it uninteresting. The stuff I enjoy narratively... You know, I think, funnily enough, it feels... I think one of the issues that Sonnet has is it has this focus on player exploration, player narrative, so sort of um, players telling stories, players making stories as they go, you know, things naturally happening to, happening to them by playing with the systems, right? Um, but the actual story itself um, has some sort of like, you made this choice, you didn't kill this guy, you played this pacifist, you blah, blah, blah. This affects the story in a certain way and and all that stuff is um, is cool. It's been done a million times and it feels never feels as complex as maybe they as maybe they want it to be or um or or is particularly rewarding i think it still gets very bogged down in like the traditional sort of tropes and issues that that sort of stuff has like i guess i'm a good person because i didn't kill anyone so i should get a good ending you know it's a very boring system um it also means that if you care about your ending if you care about that stuff then you end up playing a certain playstyle that maybe Maybe actually you're not inclined to play. One of the things I both love and hate about Dishonored um, is it's... Well, so I love the fact that it really lets you play without killing anyone, without disturbing anyone, um, without really touching anything. It's definitely one of the more flexible series in that. Um, it also allows for like a bunch of different types of playstyles and blah, 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 all that stuff. But... I think the thing I feel is that, and this is, I guess, my own hang-up, but when games allow me to play... Did I mention this in the Prey thing? I don't know if I did. But when games allow me to play non-violently, I compulsively do that. Um, um, I don't quite know why. I find there's just something about, like, if a game gives me that choice... 
it always feels like the more interesting choice is to um, is to not kill someone because games so naturally, I guess, so usually are about killing people that as soon as the choice becomes available not to kill someone, I want to push that system, see how far that can go. Um, but I think the thing I find thing, the thing I find is that it's often very limiting and Asana does a pretty good job of giving players of like both of those play styles um, as equal or as like just around about as many tools as possible so they the gameplay is interesting usually the problem is with stealth games and like not killing anyone is that you end up just with like a tranquilizer pistol shooting people in the head um, and that you kind of do that over and over again because that is the only sort of non-violent route um, and Dishonored does a pretty good job of giving you a wide breadth of tools but I still find I still find myself a little like, maybe I should be doing something more interesting. I feel, I always feel like I'm missing out. Um, I always feel like, and that's not, hmm. and I don't think that's because there's a lack in the pacifist sort of play style. I don't think there's like a lack of mechanics or tools or, or systems to play with, but I do feel like I want to do it all, you know, and I don't want to feel like, I've made this decision about this character. This is totally my hang up. It's not the game's fault. <laughs> but it's like, I've made this decision about this character and who I want them to be and, and how I want them to achieve their goals. But also I would like to to get that upgrade that allows me to um, cut a guy in half. <laughs> you know, like, like I, w I would like to try that. I would like to see what that looks like. Even if I don't do it all the time, I, I want to like experiment. I want to feel free to experiment. I think one of my biggest issues, and again, this is not a problem with Dishonored, but one of the things I struggle with the most is that I'm not hugely creative when it comes to playstyles. I never really push myself. I think that's why, that's one of the reasons I go for sort of pacifist um, playthroughs usually is because it does sometimes force me to um, move out of my sort of safe zone and find another way of doing something. Um, whereas saying I'm going to play violently means I can just do some of anything. Um, and that means I'll just rely on the easiest method over and over again. Um, hopefully playing pacifist is a little bit harder and forces me into situations that I wasn't expecting. Though I feel like the more these, the bigger these games get and, and the more time people spend on, on focusing on these more pacifist playthroughs, uh, it actually just becomes equally as boring as playing um, violently because there's equal amount of tools. There's my point. I found it. <laughs> there's like an equal amount of tools for both. So, so playing on one or the other doesn't challenge me in any way. And I find the Dishonored games specifically um, so wide open that it's a lot about being on you to find the fun. And that's maybe too damning, but but you can fall into a state of, um, of ease and never challenge yourself. And I suppose that's a good question. That's a good question as to whose problem is that? Is that the game designer's issue? Is it their problem that I'm playing boringly or is it mine? At what stage does the game developer have to step back and say, okay, well, we set up these systems um, to do this, now go, instead of them coming in and saying, oh, but this person is always just like tranking someone in the head. We should introduce helmets so they can't do that. You know, um, at what point... Does the developer stop that? And what does that, at what point does that actually become limiting? And yeah, whose fault is it that I'm not having fun is really the question. Um, 
And I'm never not having fun when I'm playing Dishonored. At times, I get a little tired. Uh, Dishonored 2 and Death of the Outsider, are, I've always played the one uh, I played Dishonored 1 on PS3 and the other ones and the sequel on PS4. So uh, it didn't, on the first one, it didn't have a quick save function, I don't think. You had to go into the menu and save, whereas on PC, you could always quick save because it's a PC. Um, uh, so on PS4, it does have a quick save. You press start and then you hold R2 and it quickly saves the game. For anyone where that doesn't really mean much to, the value of a quick save in a game like this is that you can set something up where you want to experiment or try something, save very, very quickly, do the thing. If it fails, then you haven't like alerted everyone and have to sort of deal with that. It it's a really, it's a very strange thing, the quick save dynamic, because at one point it's great because it allows you to try things out, but at another point it can very easily be abused where it's just, um, it's just constantly quick saving before you make any action so that if you get seen, you can just quickly reload the save and try that, try that moment again without sort of taking a hit to like, oh, you, taking a hit to like, oh, I've played this game without being seen. Actually, I was seen like 40 times, but I just quick loaded every time. Um, and trying to find the value in that is like a little bit of a fiddly one. I think actually uh, we talked a little, about, little bit about that in the Half-Life episode. Because um, <laughs> I was talking about how Half-Life uh, at this point obviously is a, is a very old video game. Um, and so saving doesn't take any time or have any effect on like the computer's um, processor or anything like that. So it'll save without you realizing it. And I just, I um, key binded um, the quick save to, um, I think it was just to like the left click or the right click or something. Um, so every time I fired my gun, it saved the game, <laughs> which um, is fun until you like fuck yourself up because you, it saved just before you got shot and then you're in trouble. Right. But like, but like, so that's like, that's obviously insanely abusive of that system. Um, yeah. So I get very bogged down and it's not particularly like me. I'm not this obsessive, but I do get very bogged down in this idea of never being seen and never killing anyone. I just, these sort of like ultimatums, these, um, these like very lofty goals get set in my head and with stealth games and Dishonored just like enables that is such an enabler for that. Um, and I get very lost in like saving and quick loading and trying that again and trying that again and doing that the best way. What I want really, I think most of the time is for a developer to suggest a way to play um, as a basic, you know, they, they have like easy, easy, normal, hard. Um, and like on the harder difficulties, I think, uh, you can set it so you can only save like once every level or something like that. Um, and I appreciate that stuff. And then there's also like a custom menu. So you can set this is a huge list of parameters um, of different things from like enemy health, enemy sight lines, uh, like energy recharge, like all, all the different, all the different parameters you get in a video game. Um, in a Dishonored video game, you can sort of change like how strong or weak they are, which is really, really cool. And I really appreciate that. And I had a little thumb through and I basically just chose um, uh, the hard difficulty. At this point, like I'm fairly competent at Dishonored games. And because I'm saving and reloading and going for sort of complete stealth playthroughs, the hard difficulty doesn't isn't that different to a medium difficulty because really all that changes with hard is um, enemies may like see you a bit faster in the, in the dark or whatever. 
but mostly it's just they kill you faster, which to be honest is actually useful when you're doing a um, complete stealth playthrough because as soon as you've been seen, you need to reload the save anyway. So they just kill you quicker so you can just reload the save quicker. <laughs> like that's that's really the use it is. It's only beneficial. Um, I like I kind of want an option where uh, it just, as soon as you get seen, the game fails and then it loads it back up um, because that's basically how I play is how I want to play. I want to get through the game without being seen. Um, but yeah, I think what I would, what I really would like is for the developer to say, this is what our experience is. We've given you, I don't want them to take away the tools. You know, I don't want them to take away all the different systems and options and things to mess around with, but I want a mode that says, have all those tools, but this is what we think the Dishonored playthrough is. These are the limitations. And then to force me through that because I, as much fun as it is to have the playground of Dishonored, um, I want, I'm trying to think of a metaphor to go with this playground thing. I don't know. I want, I want the, I want the slide. Yeah. F fuck. Like, I don't know. But like, I want, you know, I, I want, I want something a little bit more constrained, um, and guaranteed, not necessarily to challenge me, but to make me feel the way that they want me to feel. And they do that with their story and the narrative. I think the story is lacking, as I said, but whatever, it doesn't really matter. Um, the world is interesting. Um, it's beautiful. The movement's great. All the mechanics are a lot of fun. Um, there's always things to touch and fiddle with and, and like um, sort of enmesh with. Um, and it's great. But at the same time, I just feel like I need some sort of yeah, I don't really know what it is. I probably should have thought about it before I booted up this this recording. But I think that's always been my problem. And I played the first Dishonored a bunch of times, um, but I never loved it. It's weird, but yeah, because because there's so much I like about it, I and you can play it in a lot of different ways. I played it through like three or four times, I think, over the span of um, when it came out to when Dishonored 2 came out. I think I played a little bit of it before. I think I played it like, yes, no, I bought the... Um, they released like a um, PS4 version. So it was like the textures. It was just basically just the PC version. Um, and I played that again and it was cheap and I had the DLC and I hadn't played the DLC. Um, and I like it, but it, I think it's that that's always been missing is that it, because I'm not a particularly creative player, because I'm not like, okay, so I've unlocked this power and this power. And if I do them both together to this guy, I wonder what will happen. You know, I do that sometimes, but not really. Usually it's like, okay, my goal is to get through that door. There's three guards in the way. What is the easiest, quickest, efficient, most efficient way I can do this without having to reload my save and not be seen? You know, that that's really how I play. Um, and maybe their constraint would just be that, you know, maybe that's all it would be, but I would be just curious to see how they feel like this experience should be. And I guess they feel this experience should be wide open and 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 creative and, and blah, blah. But I guess I just want it to push me a little bit more. Um, and you could say, well, go into the custom menus and change all the things so they're like hard, so it's pushing you in an interesting way. Change the settings that you're not used to. That's the, that doesn't interest me. I'm not interested in setting my own challenges. That's the problem. You know, the problem is is even if the game constrains it, I'm still setting those challenges. I want someone else to tell me what the challenges are. Um, 
I think for me, that doesn't feel like that should be my choice, at least not all the time. That's not always the experience I want. And Dishonored is not always the experience I want. And I guess that's why I put off playing Death of the Outsider. Um, the I think I talked about this in the Prey one. Um, maybe I didn't, but um, it's a bummer that these games don't sell very well. Um, it's a Bethesda published game and developed by Arcane Studios. The Dishonored series is developed by... They have two studios, um, I think, one in, like, Texas, maybe, and another one uh, might be in Canada. I'm not actually sure. On the second one, might be in France. I don't know. I, re I remember there's a f French guy used to own the studio. I think he might have quit recently. Anyway, that's not relevant. Um, and the... I don't know what the point was. There are two studios. One of them developed Prey, and the other one develops Dishonored. And Dishonored has always been like this sort of critical darling that does very well critically, obviously, um, but never really seems to pick up its sales. And that's a huge bummer. I really, really, really want Arcane to have their moment um, because they're incredibly talented people. I mean, uh, the video game industry is filled with incredibly talented people. Um, Arcane is like an example of some lightning in the bottle people that just haven't like hadn't quite had the right thing, you know, Dishonored is great, but for me is always kind of not quite where I want it to be. And, um, yeah, I think the things that would, um, the things that would maybe help Dishonored for me is narratively speaking, uh, they just always feel a little flat. The structure of them is a little like, why, why, who, what? Um, the first one I think is a lot better structurally. It has a more interesting, more interesting setup where I really like the simplicity of you have like this little hub zone, and then each time you have a level, someone says, "Hey, we need you to go to kill this guy," and then you're in a new level, and your goal is to kill a guy. There's something very satisfying about knowing that there's someone at the end of a tunnel, and you need to navigate through this tunnel and destroy the man at the end of the tunnel. Like that, that there's, that's like a nice, simple um, system. It's, it's, it fits narratively and gameplay wise, both you and the character you're playing as have like the same motivation. Um, it might not be that you particularly care about saving um, your daughter or whatever, but you do both want to kill or destroy or remove this person from the space. Um, one thing that Dishonored does do really well, and I def people definitely talked about it a lot with the first one, but now with Death of the Outsider and the sequel, um, it's not talked about as much, is that every single target can be dismantled without being murdered. As I said, I play pacifist, but it's really complex, and usually the pacifist stuff is more interesting to do. Um, the murdering stuff is often just jump on a person's head, put a knife inside of them, and then they dissipate into the ether. But in uh, for the pacifist stuff, it's usually like more sort of adventure gamey, puzzly, where it's like you find out this piece of information and this piece of information and this piece of information, and you combine all those three things, and that's how you will remove them from this universe. So um, I'm trying to think of like a really good example. I can't think of a really good example. But like it might be like... Um, you find a very convoluted way that someone sort of wants to 
get this person that you have been told to assassinate um, off the island working in a mine or something. Or like, I think it was one of the, the Lady Boyle mission, which is one of the sort of famous missions from the first one. Um, oh, you know, I know the most simple. There's no simple obvious one is um, the, like the first main mission in the first Dishonored game. Um, there's the sort of, I don't know what you call him. He's not like an emperor, but he's someone like high up in the ranks. And the way you, you can either kill him or you find out that near him is this, um, is this brand, uh, as iron brand, you know, sort of stick in the skin and you give it, they give it to heretics. Um, so you, you sort of, you, uh, capture him and stick him in this chair and then brand him a heretic. So then everyone, he has to, no matter what he has to leave, um, the institution or whatever. Um, and that's like, it's quite satisfying and it's sort of nice. I like that the ways, often the, um, things that get them off the map that, uh, mean you don't kill them are often worse than death. You know, um, they're often, um, a lot crueler. Um, yeah. So the lady Boyle one was like, um, there was this party and there were these three women in different, in the same mask and you had to figure out which one was which. And when you figure out which one's which, uh, there's this guy that says, you know, like, oh, if you can um, capture her and give me to her, I'll, I'll, I'll take her away. I'm deeply in love with her. Um, and you, you, you give, you give her to this man, <laughs> you, you knock her out and take it to this guy. And then they, they like sail away on a ship and, and um, he's clearly like obsessed with her and she clearly doesn't like him. So it's pretty intense. Like some of that stuff is like, I probably should maybe just murder this person. Um, and I like that it at least makes you question, um, which one is the lesser of two evils. Um, that's satisfying. But again, it, it always gets hung up on no matter what, you know, no matter, even if, um, I mean, that sounds like a pretty terrible fate, um, for that woman. But even if it was worse than that, my brain still goes to, well, I want to play this game without killing anyone. You know, like I still think about finishing the game and it's saying, well done, you didn't kill anyone. Um, and I think that's a shame. I think that's, a, I think that's a bit of a bummer. Um, and again, it's still like a lot of it is still my hang up. Um, a lot of it is my own compulsions, but at the same time to have both a moment where it's questioning your morality and then a moment where it rewards it no matter what, um, uh, gameplay wise is kind of that like disparity is kind of gross and a shame. And I kind of wish they would choose one or the other. Um, often I feel like it does for all of its efforts. It still Hank gets hung up on that sort of classic, um, uh, renegade paragon mass effect bullshit stuff, um, of we want to reward the player, but also we want them to have an interesting narrative experience. And which one do we go for? Let's try go for both. And, and, um, it sort of ends up with neither because they sort of cancel each other out. Um, do, do I actually, I said I want to talk about Death of the Outsider, but maybe I don't actually have anything interesting to say about Death of the Outsider. Other than, um, I've talked a lot about how crap the stories are in these games. Uh, Death of the Outsider seems a little bit more interesting. Not like completely, but I guess probably because it's like a shorter, smaller experience. So far, it's just a little bit more... Um, yeah, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to stretch itself out over ten hours. I don't know how long this game is, but um, actually, it might be ten hours. I don't know, um, but it doesn't feel like it's as stretched out, and it feels like I'm like getting to the point a little bit quicker. I have to go kill a god, basically, which is corny, but also um, 
It's cool. Uh, the environments for Death the Outsider and Dishonored 2 are amazing. I was a little disappointed when I saw them at first because I really liked the sort of uh, old London style of the first game. Um, but this game is like... I don't know what its um, city influences. It's definitely clearly based on a place. Maybe like... I actually don't know. I don't want to say something that's wrong. But it... Uh, like maybe like a sort of a it's like this mix of like victorian and maybe like cuban or mediterranean architecture i don't know it's sort of sunny and 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 um washed out um but it's a really interesting looking space um it's not an environment i really feel like i've seen um anywhere and it's nice it's really cool um that's a weird final point to end on. But I think I'm going to end it there. I think I'm done. I think I've uh, oh, I've exhausted myself and maybe you, dear listener. Um, this has been Time Played 3HR. Um, oh, look at that. I got to half an hour. Look at me. Um, I... What was I saying? Yeah, so Time Played 3HR. This podcast goes up every single Sunday. Um, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks. Bye. Oh.